Welcome to another episode of Civic Cypher. I am your host, Ramses Josh. Today, my name is Quentin Ward. Yes, indeed. Um, man, that was short and sweet. Yeah, I got to get right to it. I ain't mad at you. All right, well, stick around. Uh, got a lot to talk about today, per usual. Um, so a lot to stay tuned for. Today, we are going to be talking about whether or not more police officers actually makes people safer and hmm. and i know how this sounds it hmm. sounds like oh ramses is back on his you know bs again and he's gonna you know whatever no i'm going to ask some questions and you know the term safer is it's a matter it's a feeling you know what i mean um kind of kind of you know do you feel safer uh but then does it prevent crime does it actually translate into safer environments right so we're going to re-examine what safety means uh, and whether or not the feeling is justified, right? Because a lot of people say, okay, more police makes me feel safer. And then they assume that it actually does equal more safety. So we're going to examine that. We have a few examples to, um, to cite. Um, a little bit later on in the show, we're going to talk about how America views black children hmm. there were a couple of videos that came our way and now is the time we hadn't been able to get to them beforehand but uh we, we saw some police interact with children you know um some my my children's age and uh you know we asked the questions that we ask on this show um, and try to, you know, put you in the shoes of the mothers and the fathers of those children and see, you know, what we end up with at the end of the day. That and uh, so much more to stick around for. So stay tuned. Um, but first, like we always do at this time, let's discuss some Ebony Excellence. Shall we? We shall. Um, you want to take this one? You want me to get it? Go for it. All right. This one comes from BlackEnterprise.com. Uh, some ebony excellence this week. Dr. Jessica Watkins makes history as the first black woman to have an extended stay in outer space. Um, that's a mouthful. Is she Airbnb in outer space? I mean, listen, I don't know. She might be paying rent. She might got a mortgage. Who knows, man? But she's out there on an extended stay. So, And that's not the hotel neither. So listen, uh, again, from Black Enterprise, according to NASA, Dr. Ast uh, astronaut Dr. Jessica Watkins, age 33, serves as a mission specialist on the agency's SpaceX crew for mission, making history as the first black woman to journey into space for an extended mission. This is the fourth crew rotation flight of the Crew Dragon spacecraft to the International Space Station. Watkins has been training for the mission for five years while she will live and work for an extended stay per NPR. Uh, she was taken to the ISS on Wednesday by way of a SpaceX capsule sent out as part of, Na of NASA's multi-billion dollar Artemis program aimed at returning humans to the moon in 2025, as previously reported. Quote, we've reached this milestone, this point in time, and the reason we're able to arrive at this time is because of the legacy of those who have come before to allow this moment, said Watkins in an interview with NBC News. Also recognizing this is a step in the direction of a very exciting future. So to be a part of this is certainly an honor. She explained that the mission entails multiple scientific procedures, including physical science, material and combustion, earth and space science, cell tissue and plant growth technology demonstrations, as well as human research, as in the effects of long duration spaceflight. And so 
It is our honor and our duty to shout her out as an example of ebony excellence, Dr. Jessica Watkins. Dr. Watkins, you are incredible. Indeed. Now, first order of business. Um, this comes from the New York Post. And this is sort of what got us thinking, uh, us and our show producer, Maggie. Maggie be knowing. Maggie be knowing. Indeed she do. Um, got us to thinking about what does safety mean? And uh, do police make us safer? Safer. This is a question that we ask. I know that, of course, your impulse is to say, yes, of course, police make us safer. safer. Um, and I'm not going to disagree with you. You know, there's there's a lot of instances where I would go along with that. Sure. But for us to paint with broad strokes, I think that there are some other things that we might consider that might actually make us safer. Um, investing in community, investing in people rather than investing in enforcing laws. Right. We can invest in educating people about the laws. I, I believe in human nature, right? And, and for us to have armies of police officers feels less than necessary if there are better options, right? And then there are some people who believe that human beings are inherently bad, um, regardless of their circumstances, regardless of their environments, and regardless of their options and opportunities, and feel that police is the only way to exact control over a population, right? Two different philosophies. I'm not going to say which one is right or which one is wrong. I think you can do, deduce on your own which one I prefer. Mm -hmm. But for the purposes of this conversation, we'll just establish that there are differing schools of thought with respect to this. Now, Agreed. Uh, the New York Post article um, certainly makes a point that we will make further in this uh, segment of the show. Uh, a 27-year-old man was fatally shot in the head in broad daylight in the Upper West Side Sunday. This is in New York, of course. Cops said the gunfire rang out during an argument around 12.15 p.m. at 101st Street and Amsterdam Avenue, one block from the NYPD's 24th precinct, according to cops. The unidentified man was pronounced dead at the scene and the shooter fled. The violence comes as the NYPD is set to begin putting more cops on duty at night Monday to help stem shootings ahead of the summer months. Now, um, there are people that say, you know, as long as there's the if there are more police around, then, you know, that has a direct impact on crime. You know, people will not commit crimes where police are near. Right now, I'm a person who. I work in nightlife, so I know for a fact that people absolutely engage in criminal activities directly in front of the police, because where we live, Q and I, um, the laws are written to where uh, if you have a nightclub sort of establishment, you need off-duty police officers there. And typically they're uniformed and they're in their whole police getup um, and people still fight. People still pull out guns. People still break the law. They, uh, uh, what is it when they urinate in public? It's like a sex offense sort of thing. In some places. Yeah, yeah. So all these people break the law in full view of the police all the time, right? Um, but those laws exist to make people feel safer. And I'm not going to say that that does not have an impact 
on some knuckleheads who might want to, they might second guess themselves, right? May I ask a random question? Sure, please. Is there danger in the perception of safety when it doesn't actually exist? Absolutely. Right? Because when you see a police officer in full tactical gear with a shotgun Mm -hmm. and you're a patron at said nightclub, you (laughs) feel safer. You actually do. I'm I'm less likely to be harmed here. There's a there's a sheriff right there. There's a police okay. officer right there. Mm-hmm. Now your guard is down. Mm-hmm. Are you actually in more danger because you think you're safer when you actually are not? How about this? Um, I remember a story where the old president uh, was responding to a mass shooting event, right? And the shooting event took place on a, on a campus. And I remember there was a, an officer on the campus and the officer fled from the active shooter with all the students, did not run toward the active shooter. And the former president was kind of beating his chest saying, well, if I had been there, I would have engaged, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, But what we see there is a trained officer who's hired to protect the children and is like, nope. I'm out. Right? I'm so, not going to be able to do it. Listen, talk to him. Now, um, I know that these are sort of one-off examples, right? And there's probably innumerable examples of police actually running toward the uh, uh, the danger to to put the fire out, so to speak, to handle the bad guys, that sort of thing, right? Um, but we do need to ask these critical questions because I will say it again. As often as I can, if there's an audience and a microphone, I do believe that there is some merit to the movement and the ideas behind defunding the police, rather defunding and reallocating the fiscal resources that we pump into police departments. I wish we had a cooler way to say it than that. (laughs) Then say defund the police or what I just said. Sure. But, um, you know, there are proven that, you know, uh, one such program, you know, uh, daycare, um, uh, Head Start programs in schools. There's a direct correlation between uh, retention rates in school, graduation rates, and crime, believe it or not. Um, uh, Helping single mothers uh, with daycare, uh, food programs, housing programs, um, employment opportunities. You know, a lot of crimes are based off of inequity, societal inequity, economic inequity, right? Um, and so addressing those issues with, you know, some of the money from these really bloated police departments that no matter how much more money we pump into them, they aren't, it's not translating dollar for dollar into more safety. That's something that's verifiable. That's not Ramses' opinion. We'll make the point a little later in the segment. I think we've proven that fiscally, there's no way to make police more effective. Yeah, right, right. More money. No right. matter how much. Right. Exactly. If we came up with an extra trillion, it still would not make our police right. the way that they're structured now. Right. More effective. That's what I'm trying to say. And so um, but there exists this sort of like zombie like myth that won't die. That people, even important, educated, well-intentioned black people will say. Well, listen, we need to just pay the officers better. We need to get them better training. We need to get them, you know, uh, a a bias training. We need to get them, you know, uh, all these sorts of things. You know, this is what they think. 
And the fact is, is that no one's dealing with the fundamental issues. One is that there's a psychological, a limbic, basic human psych, well, maybe not limbic, but a basic human psychological component to where if you give someone a gun and a badge and give them this perceived authority over, you know, another human being's body and agency and, and so forth, that it often, not always, creates a sort of God complex. And, uh, Sometimes that gets away from from people and we we see people, police officers abusing that and that causes great harm to society, especially black and brown neighborhoods around the country. Um, we also see that. You know, there's this. Almost like a. I, I don't want to call it a brotherhood, but like a. It's like a fraternity or something where they keep each other's secrets and everything that they do that is wrong, they will somehow make it right. Not only to us, the, the public, you know, they'll sell us a story that we need because we want to eat it up, but they'll make it right in their own head. Like, I can't be the bad guy. Who wants to be the bad guy in their own story? That's not specific to police, though. Right. A lot of these problems, we ignore basic human elements with regards to police mm -hmm. as if they're somehow of a higher enlightenment. We don't know the intentions of regular people. Mm -hmm. So you spoke about giving someone a badge and a gun. Mm -hmm. You often don't know how ill or well-intentioned that person is until after they've already done something heinous. Mm -hmm. Right. And even people with good intentions could be put into a high pressure, high stakes position and make a fatal mistake. Sure. Mistakes are made. Mm -hmm. But how about people who actually have ill intent? Mm -hmm. The whole reason that they want to be a police officer is so that they can abuse that power. Mm -hmm. Again, these things are not unique to police officers. Protecting our own is not unique to police officers. Right. No one wants the group they're a part of to be pointed at in a bad way. Of course, that's not, not again, unique to police. So I think a lot of people who were up in arms, you said, with the old with the old president, mm -hmm. how and why that was so divisive is because some of those people, when you accused or attacked him, saw themselves sure. and had to stand and very, very vehemently defend their own position. Right. But made it appear like they were just defending the person that they voted for. Well, right. he can't be all of those things because I share some of his ideology and right. that would mean I'm right. that. Right. Exactly. And I'm not that. Right. So that's not unique to police, you know, keeping each other's secrets and defending each other because the idea that there's no such thing as a good cop is false. But every cop that a lot of cops might hear this show and hear us talking about the quote unquote bad cops. Mm -hmm. And feel a need to defend it mm -hmm. or to feel offended by it because mm -hmm. this is a collective that I'm a part of. Mm -hmm. And I don't like it being spoken about in that way. Mm -hmm. However, we live in a society where punitive is also good for the corporations at large mm. or the singular corporation at large, our company. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the most thriving capitalist societies in the history of Earth, the United States of America. Mm -hmm. Right. So when punitive also helps pay the bills, now you're talking about incentivizing the idea of enforcing these laws that sometimes we don't even know Exist. are being broken yeah. or that exists without that education. Mm -hmm. There's profit in that education not existing. 
there's profit in allowing people to break laws they don't know about. Mm-hmm. Right. So there is no incentive for the system to be better. Sadly, I hate to be the dark cloud all the time, no, okay. but there is no incentive for these things to improve. So, so let's jump in right here. The people that continue to bolster the system with their votes, with their ideas, with their counter protests mm-hmm. in recent years are people that, you know, maybe these people never change their mind, you know, and that's okay. Cause you know, we, we all need to hold each other's ideas over each other's heads. You know, we all have different ways of experiencing reality and each one is valid in my opinion. Right. Um, and together we should find the thing that works the best for the most people. I think that's the best that anyone could ask. Right. Um, so I'm not saying that anyone's wrong, but I do believe that it's appropriate for people to think, well, does more police make things safer? Right. Because again, you would think, well, I moved, you know, right next to the police precinct. So we're good over here. You know, I, I used to, uh, when I was in college, um, I had a work study program. I would uh, be the person that would patrol the parking lots, right? My little clipboard and my little radio. That's how I got work study money. So I could go to school, right? And uh, we would have police cars on the campus. This is a college campus. So, you know, college campuses do have police, at least where we live in Arizona. Um, so, yeah, police would be there all the time. All the time there were cars in the parking lot, there would be police in the parking lot. Not just police cars, but police, right? Cars got stolen out of that lot all the time. All the time. With cameras and police, the visible cameras. People would just, what we would see the tapes. Well, this is the guy walking in. Yep, there he is. And he's, now he's in the car. Oh, there goes the car. He's gone, you know? And as far as I remember, never recovered any of those cars. You know, at least not in a timely manner. You know, it's not like all oh, the police were on the campus so they could respond immediately. And now everybody's better because we had police there. No, man. A lot of times police didn't even know. Right. If someone's going to steal a car, if their intention when they wake up is to steal a car. They are going to steal that car. Right. So putting more police, you could put a million police officers. If someone is dead set on stealing a car, guess what they're going to do? Steal a car. Right. But. If you can't prevent the crime from happening that way by putting a million police officers, which would cost a lot of money, maybe you could put a couple of programs. Maybe you could put some more job opportunities. Maybe you could prevent the necessity of someone getting so desperate that they wake up in the morning and they say, listen, the only way I can make whatever happen, get from point A to point B or make some money or whatever is, is steal a car. The only way to really approach that, even if it's kids just wanting to go for a joyride, put in some after-school programs, put in, you know, whatever, whatever it is in the community, right? Maybe that might be more effective and cheaper. And if you're like, well, how are we going to pay for after-school programs? And how are we going to, you know, we'll take some of that money from the million cops, put it into the neighborhood. Maybe the cars, the cars uh, thefts go down, right? So this is what I want us to think about. Again, Ramses is not right. I don't even Ramses does have to ask these questions. Go I don't ahead. even want to talk about the where will we get the money from part because you know, our government knows. shows us as often as it feels like the money exists all the time for the things they want to spend. They get it like that. It's ready to go in the billions, <laughs> not a couple dollars. Man, I'm knowing. Okay, now 
Another reason that this story came up is because Q sent me something on Instagram. You want to talk about it? I do, but I want to be accurate with the agency that we cite here. Okay. With regards to that story, because uh, I was just really blown away by what I thought was comical. Uh, something that these officers were celebrating in a way. And so proudly, I initially thought it must have been a joke. Um, the New York Police Department, 60th Precinct. Uh, we are citing them as our source. They said this. Not a newspaper. <laughs> the NYPD, 60th Precinct, verified Twitter page. NYPD Brooklyn, Brooklyn South. Great job by your 60 precinct public safety team. In regards, <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm laughing, but this is so upsetting that it's funny. In regards to last night's arrest of one individual and the recovery of ah, ah, a one, whatever you want to use in place of a very singular firearm is now off your streets. This is not a joke, people. This is a proud post by this precinct. Picture are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven officers grouped around a table with a single gun sitting on it. Oh, and two bullets. All right. So we've talked many times on the show about police department blunders where they get a lot of money, they spend a lot of money and it doesn't make any real change. And we don't bring it up to laugh in the face of the police officers. We recognize and respect that everybody's got a job to do, right? But it is our responsibility to remain ever critical of what we believe to be institutions that can improve, right? Um, we happen to know that policing has its roots in white supremacy. Um, and so if we call it a white supremacist institution, we don't believe that we're wrong. With that said, our only agenda here is to make sure that we charge everyone with doing the best that they can do. And no one rests on their laurels. And you know what? You're listening to our voices. It is your responsibility to ensure that we do the best that we can do. We, we give you all of our information at the end of the show. Pure gold fears no fire. If we get something wrong, we will admit it. We will own it. We will eat that crow. We've done it many times on the show. We got something, well, not many times, but, you know, whenever we got it wrong and it was pointed out to us, you know, we're not above that, right? And so for us to hold police, policing accountable um, is on brand with what we do now. I want to add something else here. Uh, regardless of how you feel about Sean King, he gets us some information. And sometimes we use it on this show. So um, this came from a post of his that just kind of helps make this point a little bit further. You feel free to look him up. Sean King. Uh, I think this was from his Instagram. It says, yesterday it was revealed that taxpayer... Taxpayers in Los Angeles are paying $358,000 per officer for 60 cops to patrol West Hollywood. They said crime exploded. Turns out 
It was 249 cell phones lost at clubs. They found two of them. Okay. So that means 60 police officers each are costing the city $358,000. That's not just salaries or contracts or whatever. That's gear. That's, you know, whatever, whatever it takes to, you know, benefit all that sort of stuff, $358,000 per cop, 60 of them so that they can recover two of the lost 249 cell phones. They're responding to a crime wave <laughs> that didn't exist. And they only, they, I mean, this is like a less than 1% dent that they've made in this, in said crime wave. Just like the, the, uh, the story you mentioned where the officers were all standing around getting one gun off the streets um, and posing as though now the world is a safer place or even their Brooklyn is a safer place. You know how many people live in Brooklyn? And so, again, we need to really rethink what makes us safer? Do more cops make us safer? Or do more intelligent policies and philosophies and approaches to dealing with each other make us safer? 